Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Reed Reed Wilkins Wilkins on on Oilers Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. What a maddening night for the Edmonton Oilers. They allow a goal on the first shot, 34 seconds in. Their young goaltender then doesn't allow another goal the rest of the game, making 22 saves. At the other end of the ice, the Oilers get 41 shots on goal. Several other good chances that hit the post or went wide. They get a full two-minute... Five on three. Late in the second period, can't score. They get another power play early in the third, can't score. Well, and that's pretty much the summary tonight. They can't score. One nothing. Toronto Maple Leafs over the Edmonton Oilers. Yes, the game winner on the very first shot, 34 seconds into the game. Zach Hyman gets credit from Gardner and Nylander. And that's the story tonight. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. The Oilers doing pretty much everything you would want them to do, except score, except get a clutch power play goal. At one point in the third period, Rob, I can't remember who said it, one of, one of us said to the other that the Leafs were having trouble getting the puck across centre, mm-hmm. let alone get anything going in the Oilers' zone. 15 or 16-5, they give the Oilers another one. 16-5, the shots in the third I don't know, McElhinney must love playing the Oilers. He's 6-0 and against them in his career, first shutout against Edmonton. Well, 16 shots in the third. That followed the 19 shots that they had in, in the second. It was a tilted ice, and the, Oil, or the, the Leafs in the third period were just holding on. And you're, you're, they, they couldn't even get the puck and dump it in. To, to the other zone. A lot of the time, they're getting backtracked, puck stolen before they get a chance to get to the red line. The others did everything they wanted to do in tonight's hockey game. Unfortunately for them, between posts, great saves, and missed golden opportunities, they weren't able to get the equalizer. So, uh, a glass half full guy that I am, I think that's a lot of positives in this game you can take for because they put together back-to-back very good road games. They just unfortunately don't have the results that they want. But this was a well-played game that, unfortunately, they ran into a goaltender who was having a career night. So the Oilers slip back again, 12-16-2 on the season, 5-4 and four in their last nine. They lose both games to the Maple Leafs this season, both heartbreaking for, for different reasons. Remember, it was 6-4 Toronto at Rogers Place on November 30th with the Russell own goal turning out to be the game winner. You can get us at 780-496-0063. We'll get to your calls here in a minute or two. 
we got to talk about the power plays, Rob. I, I think specifically the, the full two-minute five-on-three. Polak and Marner go off with 222 left in the second period. It's one nothing. I mean, you rarely see that, a team no. get a full two minutes of five-on-three. You don't, because there were, the other side of the power play in the third period where they had control Another of the puck for, early, yep. yeah, for a minute 57. They, they controlled it and should have scored on that one. They had a number of golden opportunities. But the, the five-on-three, and before they even started the power play, they said, okay, this is an automatic goal. Five on threes for that long, you got to automatically score on that. Craig Simpson, during the broadcast on TV, said, you're not thinking one in this situa- situation, you're thinking two goals. Uh, they wasted the first 40 seconds. Uh, to me, it's like y- you've got two full minutes, but you know what, if you get one early, you're going to make have a second power play of five on four, make it a long one, and they just didn't shoot the puck at the beginning. They passed it around the outside. The second half of the five on three, they got a little more aggressive, a little more desperate, put in a couple good shots on net. McElhaney makes a couple big saves. There was the post crossbar that Dreisaitl hit, a couple missed opportunities. But yeah, in, in a game that you lose by one, whether it's one nothing, six five, in a game you lose by one and you don't score on a five on three, two minute power play, that's going to come back to bite you, and it certainly did tonight for the Oilers. One nothing, Toronto takes it. We don't get a donation tonight to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. But Booster Juice has donated two thousand one hundred and twenty-five dollars throughout the season. Twenty-five dollars for every Oilers goal. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We'll drop the puck with Alex tonight. Hi, Alex. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, actually, uh, I just want to touch on a couple of things you guys were talking about there. Uh, the power play, the five on three. Usually, we got Lucic uh, walking the goalie, at least screening the goalie. You think of, and for some odd reason, it boggled my mind when on that specific five on three. I don't know why he wasn't out there. Yeah, we were actually Rob and I were talking about that during the game. They they had that unit out there, except they put Nugent Hopkins instead of Lucic. What do you think the thinking was, Rob? Well, I, I agree with the caller. I mean, you you put a big body in front, and, and to me, that's why you use the one timer from the back end, cleft bomb. If you've got Lucic, or if you if you'd rather have Maroon, either one, a big body that stands in front of the net. Uh, Lucic is what's he two thirty? It seems like it looks like he's two sixty when he's got his shoulder pads and everything on. You got new. Nugent Hopkins, who's about a buck seventy-five soaking wet, doesn't cover as much net in front of the in front. Um, I personally, I go with the bigger body, and then I start my power play the five-on-three with one, if not two, bombs from the point to drag the penalty killers out to allow you to do the down-low play. So yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah, just that's basically it. Just poor, poor. I don't know if you want to call it coaching decisions at crucial times or whatever, but. That was it. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, appreciate that. And, and, w- and when they have had, they've only had a couple brief five-on-threes in the season before, but they have put Nugent Hopkins out there. So is that, what, do you think they're preferring puck handling and passing as opposed to the size of Lucic? What do you think the thinking is? Yes, but on a five-on-three, you don't need, uh, Nugent Hopkins will be better at going and retrieving pucks. He's going to be much better. Nugent Hopkins will be much better at making plays. The thing is, on a five-on-three, Nugent Hopkins doesn't have to do that. The the puck retrieval, normally, you don't have a problem retrieving well, the puck. Sometimes pucks. the penalty killers don't even. They try don't to touch try the to puck the whole time. Yeah, they they don't because they know if they miss. And as a as a player on the offense, you want to get into a race for a puck because you just have to tip it to an area. Now it becomes a four-on-two. So they don't go. So that doesn't. You don't need them for the the, the hands. You don't need them for the puck uh, retrieval. So really, you just need a guy in front of the net. 
So to me, you put the big body in there, and then that allow. When you have a big body too, he can tie up a defenseman. Because the defenseman, if he comes back and tries to push him, you're not going to push Lucic. So you're just wasting your energy. So I, I agree on that one. I don't. I think it's a waste having Nuge there, simply because he he's a, a small man who's playing a big man position in front of the net. One nothing. The Leafs edge the Oilers. Curtis McElhinney, a no doubter for the first star of the game, making 41 saves. Zach Hyman had the only goal. He's the second star. Morgan Riley picked as the third star. These were picked in-house in Toronto. Rob and I always give an oiler the fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. A lot of guys did what you hoped they would do, <laughs> except yeah. for putting the puck in the net. No, there was a number of players that, that that had the opportunity. I mean, I thought every time that McDavid was on the ice, he created. Um, he had the breakaway. He, he didn't score. He had walked around the McElhaney. made a nice play on a poke check, yeah. which later in the game, I think that played in the mind of Connor McDavid. He had another chance to go across. Instead, he tried backhanding it to uh, Pugliarvi and didn't go in. But to me, the most dangerous player on the ice by far tonight for the Edmonton Oilers was Connor McDavid. He can get us at 780-496-0063. We have, sorry, is it Kieran? Yep. Kieran, go ahead. Uh, just a fun fact quick for you, Rob. So uh, I just found your uh, one of your hockey cards from 1990-1991. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's one of your mid-season leader cards. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Does, it doesn't have my plus minus on it, does it? Uh, you know what? Let's, let's give it <laughs> No, a we don't need to look. Nope, nope. We're all good. <laughs> they don't use plus minus. The modern guys don't use plus minus anyway. No, no, no. It's just uh, just one of the leader cards. <laughs> oh, but, cool. But, yeah, it's, I think for the fourth uh, for the four star, I'd put Laurent Bassois, to be honest. I agree. I thought he played strong. I, I mean, he's put back-to-back games. At first, it looked like the first goal was weak, and we're like, oh, you know, that's a tough way to start a game. But eventually, late in the game, they showed a replay, and the puck did get tipped from up to down, and they changed the goal, and they eventually gave Hyman the goal. So, yeah, I thought Bressois, in two tough places to play, he's playing in Montreal, playing in Toronto. I mean, that is that is like the, the, the royal arenas of the National Hockey League, all the pressure, and here's a young kid who's been struggling coming in. I thought he was fine, and he gave his team a chance to win in both games. Two goals one night, one goal the next night. That's good goaltending for the Edmonton Oilers. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. And how many shots did he take, like, the past two games? Uh, he also saved 22 last night, so he stopped 44 out of 47. No. So, like, that, I don't yeah. know, even yes. if Talbot was ready, I think I would, like, give him a shot in Columbus over Talbot because, like, even if they think Talbot's ready, he might not be 100%. And, like, Brassois played outstanding in the past two games, past three. So. Well, it also will depend, too, and I don't, and Reed might know better than me, what the other schedule is. If they Tuesday, practice Thursday, Saturday, no, but I mean practice practice wise tomorrow. If they don't have a full practice, it's really hard for Cam Talbot to come in and play. He could if, go skate on his yoga. Yeah, but full he's practice. not. Yeah, yeah, if it's not a full practice, having a goalie coach shoot on you doesn't prepare you to right. play against the top team in the league. So if they don't have a full practice, then I would not expect Cam Talbot healthy or not to play. Yeah. All right. That's all, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Kieran. Yeah, I think Bob mentioned yesterday. Best case scenario would be Talbot plays against Columbus and. I I would think probably Thursday back home again. But you're right, Rob. They may not practice Wednesday if you know, depending on how late they get back from Columbus. So, yeah, yeah. We'll it, see. it all depends on practice schedule. He needs to he needs to face players coming in at full speed yeah. to be able to. T- and I, on all, I still don't know what's really wrong with them. They've just set upper body. Yeah. they've just said they've just set upper body. So we'll see about that. And uh, you're right with Bruce. I mean, sometimes we say, you know, was it a good goal? Was it a bad goal? 
but he only let in one. Yep. Uh, and and I, I, you know, when it went in, Rob, we we're sitting here together, and I was like, oh my god, oh no. And then you saw that replay. It was tipped down, and he looked down, and it was sitting between his pads. He couldn't see it, and he went to squeeze his pads, which I would think goalies are taught to do. Mm-hmm. And it was that motion that knocked it back yeah. into the net. So a, a tough goal against, and then they couldn't get one to bounce mm-hmm. in at the other end. And, and he responded because right afterwards they had a couple of good chances, and he made a couple of big saves to keep it a one-goal game. He he did his job. He, he held the other team to one goal on the road, and a, a, a good Toronto team. Unfortunately, the goalie in the other end was better than him tonight. One nothing. Toronto takes it. Tough loss for the Oilers. We have Mike at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good game there today. I really like uh, the way Lucic and uh, Pulley Arbor is playing. I think uh, Lucic really stepped up his game in the last little bit. But uh, that being said, I mean, why is Latestu on the power play when Pulley Arbor is? Obviously, he's a right-hand shot, right? He is, yes. And he's got he's got some confidence with him right now, and he's obviously a, he can snipe. He's got a shot. You know, Mike. Mike, that's a good question. And obviously, Latestu really helped the power play last year. Yeah, this I, year it's not happening. No, this year it's not. It's not as good all round. I don't think it's all on Latestu. I, I I wonder when no, the Yarvi gives up the puck lots, right? Yeah, well he, well, he gave one away at the blue line tonight. I wonder mm-hmm. if I wonder if Mike, because I know last year uh, one of the coaches, I can't remember if it was McClellan or, or Woodcroft, said that Mc, the the players really trust Latestu in terms of getting the puck through the neutral zone and being in a lane and knowing where to put the puck. So I'm just speculating here. I'll have to try to ask when they get back, but maybe there's just a higher trust factor with Latestu in terms of getting the puck into the zone, but I think someday, no. I think yeah. someday Puliyarvi's going to be it, powerful. I do, I do believe it'll happen this year. I hard to believe no. should not be carrying the puck going into the offensive zone. Like, well, you're you're right, but well, I mean, the, where guys the, the problem, the reason, the reason that they have Latestu, and if you watch the others when they break out, they have a righty-lefty combination coming up the middle of the ice. Yeah. So that's why they have Latestu over there, and if they take away McDavid, he's the guy that carries it in. So that is true. They, he does bring the puck in because they're both on yeah. their their proper he sides. Tries to anyway, yes, but it never happens. Well, well no. He, I mean, Latestu. <laughs> they, they don't have a problem getting the puck in the, the into the zone. It's when they get it in the zone they haven't been scoring. But yeah. you are right. Pulleyarvi uh, will, in, in my belief, will be on the Oilers' first unit sometime. Uh, I'm going to say before the middle of January, he'll get his yeah. shot on the first unit because yeah, the, the power play is not good. good. Yep, you're right. The power play is not good. Pulleyarvi is a right-handed shot, and I, he does. I think Latestu has a, a good one-timer. I think Pulleyarvi has a better one-timer. So even, eventually, Pulleyarvi will move up and get that opportunity. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, I, all right. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Yeah, I mean it's hard to. I mean, really, the only thing you complain about tonight is that puck didn't <laughs> he, go in the net. He didn't finish a nope. play. Forty one shots, and we're not talking lobs from center just to shoot the puck in. There were some some good chances. They were trying to create some rebounds. And, I mean, there, there was that sequence in the third period. McElhenney actually fell down, and the net most of the net was open. And I think Clefbaum shot her. I, I mean, he was trying to shoot it quick, mm-hmm. so I don't think he realized he could have just flipped it into the net. I mean, every single chance they had just found a way not to go in. Well, in a one nothing game, 
Yeah, I, I I would love to find out the number of grade A scoring chances that the Oilers had, and and everybody. I love the the fact that the Oilers defensemen activated. I remember three times in the game that I can remember just on Darnell Nurse, who brought the puck in from his point and came in and tried coming in stuffing, tried bringing it out in front of the net. They did everything they could except put the puck in the net. And again, I've been in those games where you're you're on the bench and you start shaking your head. Well, they like, showed McDavid. McDavid, like, times. are you kidding me? There's what else do you want me to do? And the next game, well, I mean, last game, last they, they, they knocked Price out of the game on, on four, well, three bad goals. So if they, it, it's something to build off. And it sucks because they need the two points. And this, if the Oilers had not had such a horrible start to the season, a game like this, would they would just brush off and say, you know what? We did everything right tonight. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the Oilers had such a bad start, now the points they're desperate for. And when they play really well, they need to have the results at the end of the game. So that's why this one hurts more, simply because of the bad start to the season. one nothing. the Leafs win it. You can get us at 780-496-0063. Back to the phones in a second. But right now, to Toronto, here's head coach Todd McClellan. For maybe the first 10 minutes of this game, you guys controlled the pace. Is that fair to say? Well, we, were, we didn't win. Uh, obviously, that's uh, the most obvious thing. But we were happy with our game. We... Uh, we played hard. We were very competitive. We strung two good games together now. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get the results. And uh, Tonight, the, the puck wasn't going to cross the line for us. didn't matter what we did. Um, give credit to their goaltender and um, you know a couple other situations where we hit posts or missed empty nets. So um, you have one or two like that a year. The unfortunate thing is we're not in a situation where we can uh, give up those points like we did tonight. But um, I can't complain about the effort of our group. Is it tough when McDavid has the kind of night he has and it's just putting on a show the entire game? Yeah, he was, uh, I thought he was outstanding. He had the puck on his tape, his legs were going, he was making plays. Uh, he commanded the, the play and um, good leaders do that. They rise to the occasion. And, um, you know, the carrot, uh, we didn't get to the carrot though, that was the problem. And uh, um, that shouldn't discourage our group. Like I said, we've played... Uh, a lot of games this season and, and haven't been able to string them back to back. This was a, a solid, solid effort on our behalf. We have. We were just talking about it in there where we, you know, we feel we've won more periods than we lost um, and uh, haven't been able to put a point up. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's behind us now. We'll look forward and try and get some points in uh, Columbus on Tuesday. Is that a message that's easy to get through and just like maybe don't pay attention to the standings right now, pay attention to what's going on in the ice? And well, we have to look at it that way. We're, uh, you know, you got to inch up the mountain and um, tonight's points would have been very valuable to us. Obviously, we didn't get them. And, uh, but we're, we're, we continually talk about improving our game, getting some consistency in it. Uh, we haven't talked a lot about the standings or, or where we sit or how many games are left. Um, that usually comes from you guys. And uh, I think we're improving. We're, we're slowly getting better. I think we're playing quicker now. And um, you know, if we continue to play like we did tonight, we'll get our share of wins and um, plug away. Well, to bring up the standings, I mean, you're seven out with five teams between you in a playoff spot. It's, I mean, it's pretty imperative here that you, you put something together, I would think, because you're, you're running out of runway a little bit, aren't you? Uh, well, seven points, uh, that's a... But that's three and a half games, you know. And, and yeah, there's a lot of teams ahead of you. But I think we just played our 30th tonight. Um, now, 
don't turn that or take that hey the coach is relaxed and he thinks there's a lot of a lot of season left because I, I said 20 games ago that we got to get our, our group together but uh, uh, I'm not posting the lineup and doing math and and uh, educating our group on how many games and who we need to beat uh, we need our team to improve and uh, if we continue to improve we'll look at the standings as we uh, as we evolve all right, there's uh, Todd McClellan after the Oilers lose one nothing in Toronto. And yes, they do remain seven points out of a playoff spot. 52 games left in the, in the season. And, and I guess that, and I, I had those clips on Inside Sports the other night where Connor McDavid's in a scrum said, you know, it's it's early December. We got a lot of games left. And then in a separate scrum, and they did not hear each other, Mark Letestu said, we'd be naive to think that it's still early. So, I mean, there there's truth to both. You don't want to panic, but but you don't want to let, let this uh, deficit get even more out of hand. No, you don't. But you don't look at the standings as a team. You, you just can't because then it becomes much more stressful for you going into the game. And the standings really shouldn't dictate how you, you play. I mean, every time you step on the ice, you're playing to win. So the others, I mean, it's hard to be, have the, the standings hidden from you because there's always going to be questions after every hockey game from the reporter saying, saying, you know, what do you, how many do you have to win now? What do you have to go the rest of the way? Stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you have to play your best. And I think the Oilers right now are starting to play better hockey. Hopefully the victories will come with it. All right, we're going to do some curling play-by-play. Just hang on the phones. Kevin Cooey's last stone at the Roar of the Rings in Ottawa. He needs the forefoot to send his team to the Olympics in South Korea. All three guys out sweeping, and they barely drag it in. Man, that was tense. Mike McEwen had one at the top of the four and one at the back of the four, but on the left side of the button as you were looking over it from the top. So Cooey needed something in the right forefoot. And uh, he counted on his teammates and, to get it he there. He did not throw it hard enough, but they, uh, Mark Kennedy from St. Albert mm-hmm. came out and dragged it in. So the team of Kevin Cooey, Mark Kennedy, Brett Lang, and Ben Hebert are going to the Olympics. Uh, their official club is the uh, Glencoe out of Calgary, but obviously Mark is uh, is from Edmonton. So, oh, Congratulations to them. And, and Mark won a gold previously with Kevin Martin. Yeah, no, it's a pretty 7-6 seven, ex- seven, the final. Pretty exciting, too. I mean, this is what you dream of. You have one rock to throw to win to go to the Olympics and and from I'm not a curling junkie but I follow it enough to know that the winning this is sometimes harder than winning an Olympic medal because the best curlers in the world are all from Canada. It, it's a deeper field. Yes. Uh, I mean pretty much any anybody could have won this. There's mm-hmm. some guys who were longer shots. I think you'll go to the Olympics. There'll be four or five really yeah. good teams, and then some teams you're going to beat 99% of the time. As we look at the Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard, Blackhawks over the Coyotes, 3-1. Blues beat the Sabres, 3-2 in overtime. Wild taking it to the Sharks. It's 3-0 early in the second period. The Oil Kings lost 6-1 to Swift Current. That's your Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard. The Oilers lose 1-0 to the Leafs. You can get us at 780-496-0063. We have Will on the line. Hi, Will. Hello. Hey, Will, go ahead. Hey, guys, how you doing? Doing very well. Will's ready to go. He's Will, you got us on speaker, and then you're running right over to grab it. That's great work. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I have to jump <laughs> on it. So. Yeah, well, thanks for taking my call here. No problem. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch all the game, but a uh, couple questions. Uh, well, I guess it's, you know, it's early in the... Is it fair to say it's still early in the season and, and, and you guys think the Oilers still got a shot to, to get back into the race? Because, I mean, I don't, we've got 50 games left. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 52. 52. 52. 
I mean, that's a heck of a lot of hockey, in, in my opinion. And a lot of, I know a lot of talks about the playoffs, you know, and, and you know, I, a lot of the, I guess, the uh, the statistic guys are, you know, maybe counting the orders out already, but I, I think there's a lot of hockey left to go, and I don't know what you guys' thoughts are on that. But. Well, there, there is a lot of games left. There's 52 games, and the majority of the games for the Oilers are against Western Conference and, more specifically, uh, the, the Pacific Division. So they have a lot of four-point games the rest of the way. The, the problem the Oilers face is the number of teams they have to jump. They're only yeah. seven points out, and, and that is a, a, a good two-week stretch where, you know, if they're chasing one team, they win, they go 4-0, and oh, the other team goes 1-3, and three, all of a sudden they made up six points. But when you're chasing seven teams, well, now every night those teams start playing each other, and if you lose, half of them are winning, and they're moving two more up on you. You win, half of them are still winning, and you're not gaining any ground. So that's the problem. I know that we talked about it the other day. I think Reed found... The Oilers have a, a 3% chance. Is that what the one website yeah, had? Look at this site, Sports Club Stats. They up, they'll update it in the morning, Will, if you want to check it out. It'll be below 3 now. So it'll be below 3%. So the odds of them make it are slim. I think that the Oilers right now are not as good a team as they showed last year. But I think they're a much better team than they've than their results are this year. I think they're somewhere in between. But they are going to have to go on a 12-2 and run or a 13-16 and run 13 out of 16 runs, something like that. They're going to have to do something special because of the hole they put themselves in. I do believe they still have a chance, but they do need to do something special. And the way they've played the last couple of games is a positive. But when you put yourself in this big a hole, when you play really well like they did tonight, you somehow got to squeak out with one or two points. You bet, yeah. Uh, one, one last thing. Uh, as far as Bersois goes, has he done enough, do you think, to... You know, to allow Shirelli to maybe not look on the open market, or what, what, I know you guys are talking about that maybe pregame, but yeah. what are you guys' thoughts on I, that? I think he's probably still looking. I imagine teams are, <laughs> let's face it, teams are probably trying to fleece Shirelli yeah. <laughs> or get as much as possible <laughs> but for the their pro- backup. I, yeah. I think you feel better about Brassois though after the last three games. And, and the problem is, you're not getting a, a top goaltender. You're getting someone's third goalie you're probably. Getting a more experienced backup than Brassois. So you're trade, but if it all depends, if Talbot comes back right away, and the Oilers are in need of points, which they are. I mean, at one point they thought Talbot, you know, you know the, the backup will get twenty to twenty or whatever. That's out the window now. Because you cannot go with a backup goalie, even if it's a more experienced one, when you're this many points out. So Talbot's going to get the lion's share. So now you're talking about a guy that's going to come in and play, I don't know, seven, eight games for the remainder of the season, if that. Will, are you ready to finish the play, buddy? Let's get it done. I'm going to put you on hold so you can hear the clue. We're looking to give you an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park, brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com. Here we go. Behind the net, Hainsey looking for Zaitsev. He turned it over, center pass, reach shot off the post. Zach Cassian missing an opportunity at equalizer by an eyelash. All right, that's a shot by Zach Cassian, who the Oilers acquired in a trade a couple of years ago from what other Canadian team? Say Montreal. I'm going to say Montreal. Absolutely, Will. The Canadians. Good stuff. <laughs> Hang on the line so Patrick can take down your info. Rob, you're very nice. I should have made a multiple choice. Yeah, I, I, I should have said what Canadian team and then given the choices as Montreal and Buffalo. <laughs> that would have been. Well, I don't know. It's I know so, some of my buddies listening might have said Buffalo. They're not the smartest wow. group. That's sad. Well, not all my friends are smart. It's Toronto beating the Oilers 
one nothing. even though the Oilers with a 41-23 advantage in shots on goal. That was a good stat by Jack and Bob, who would have obviously seen the score clock in-house. The shots in the final 46 minutes of the game were 39-14 for Edmonton, and they could not break through. We'll bring Nelson onto the show. Hey, Nelson. Hi, how you doing? Doing quite well. Great. Uh, what I wanted to touch base on is not really the players, but I'm, I'm thinking more of the coaching thing, right? So, whereas not the coach itself, I'm thinking about the players themselves. So, I'm thinking, you know, when you don't have a you have a young, you know, uh, captain like Connor McDavid or whatever. And I remember the old Oilers or whatever. You know, you had those guys that were rough and tumble or whatever. And when they fell into a slump, um, you know, what I've heard in the past is, you know, Mark Messier would grab a guy and slam him against a locker and say, you know what, get your crap together or whatever. But, uh I think that the leadership in inside of that dress room is lacking, and I really think that, you know, because they're millennials, I don't mean to be rude about that, but, you know, maybe you can't talk to them like you should, but I think that uh, they're lacking there, and there needs to be a leader in there, and I think Connor McDavid is lacking with leadership, and uh, we need some guys like Zach Cassian or whatever to step up to the plate to shake uh shake the dressing room up and say, listen, let's get it going here, boys. Like, we need to get this done. Okay, well, two things on it. I've from The players that I've talked to, everyone in that dressing room thinks that Connor McDavid is the ultimate leader. As for players standing up, there's I don't think there's a team in the National Hockey League now that has one guy who is the guy that stands up and, and when he talks, everyone listens. All teams have leadership groups. And one of the and one of the reasons that they brought in Milan Lucic wasn't just for what he does on the ice. It was because of his dressing room presence. So when when Connor stands up, or whether it's Milan Lucic stands up, or a Zach Cassian, or a Patrick Maroon, or Mark Letestu, uh, or, or anyone along those lines, those players are brought in. It's a leadership group. So it's not on all on Connor. I mean. I don't know Connor very well, and I'm guessing he's not a, a yeller and a screamer and a talker. He seems to be a very quiet person that leads by example. But that's why you have the other guys in there. And Milan Lucic is much more talkative, and he, and, and he commands the room when he talks because he's a guy that's intimidating just to look at. So if he starts getting a little more vocal and a little red in the face, he grabs your attention. So I, I, I think they do have a leadership group, and... I think at the beginning of the season, I don't know if the, it was a leadership issue. I think it was there was a, uh, I don't know if it was an arrogance among the way they started the year because they're going to fit the way they finished last year was just going to carry over easy. But I think that their their leadership has started to push it a little bit more and they're playing better hockey now. But I don't think there's a leadership problem on this team. I mean, you throw in a Chris Russell, you throw in a Larson. These guys are all veterans that have been around. So it's, this isn't just Connor McDavid talking in the dressing room. There is a group of guys that talk in that dressing room. Leaf says the Oilers won nothing. More of your phone calls. You'll also hear from Connor McDavid, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. From the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. one nothing. Toronto beating Edmonton. Oilers go to 12-16-2 on the season. Toronto improving to 20-10-1. 
If you miss this one, the only goal of the game came on the first shot. A Zach Hyman deflection, 34 seconds into the first period. No scoring the rest of the way. Oilers outshot the Leafs, 41-23. Oilers were 0-4 for 4 on the power play. They had several opportunities. They had a 5-on-3 power play for a full two minutes late in the second period. Could not beat Curtis McElhenney, who has never lost to the Oilers in his career. He's now 6-0. and You can get us at 780-496-0063. We have Stefan on the line. Go ahead, Stefan. Hello? Yeah, go ahead, buddy. Hey, how's it going, guys? Doing quite well. Good. Uh, I just want to know what your thoughts are on uh, Bressois tonight. Because uh, from what I see on social media, which I know can be hit or miss, uh, a, lot, a lot of people are blaming him for this. But, you know, he's a backup goalie. He's playing back-to-back nights. He had a 9.57 save percentage tonight. Everyone wants to focus on his mistake, but what about all the mistakes the team made? Well, we talked about it earlier. I thought Brassal was fine. I thought he played well. He gave up one goal on the road in Toronto, and after they showed the replay late in the game, it was a deflection from the point. So uh, this game is not on Brassois. You go into it at the beginning of the night, if you would have taken a poll across you know, the, the, all the people watching the game said, all right, Brassois is going to give up one on the game. Are you guys happy with that? I'm, I think that the, the hockey, the Oilers hockey world would have been ecstatic if they knew that at the beginning of the night, going into Toronto on back-to-back, he would have given up one goal. And if you would have went before this road trip and said, okay, Bersois in the two games, in Montreal against Carey Price, then in Toronto, uh, the center of it all in the National Hockey League, he's going to give up three goals, three goals total in those two games. You'd be pretty excited about it. So I thought Bersois played very good in both games. The goal tonight was a deflection, and deflections, I mean, they throw goalies off. So I, to me, this has nothing to do with Laurent Bressois. This is the fact that the, the Toronto Maple Leafs had a goaltender come in as a backup and absolutely stand on his head, steal a game. And that's the way the, the reason they lost. The Oilers played well, their goalie played well, and sometimes the hockey gods go against them. Absolutely, and I think people often forget he's a backup. Yeah, you're right, too. Like, expectations are far too high. Oh, you're right. I mean, he's a backup for a reason because he's not as good as their starter. And he just had a 1.5 goals against average in two games on the road uh, against well, one very good team and then Montreal, uh, not as good. But, uh, yeah, he played well and he gave the team a chance to win and that's what you ask your goalie to do. And these young goalies, look, look at Boston. I'm sure they're regretting giving up Subban. And look at him now. Oh, you're absolutely right. Well... I think there's a lot of teams upset about the players they gave up to the Las Vegas Golden Knights as Las Vegas right now. I think they're 13 points ahead of the Oilers in the standings. I I would have put a lot of money in in Vegas before the season's a start that nothing like that would have happened, but a lot of players that have been discarded by their team are having a very good year in Vegas. Stefan, thanks for calling, man. Yeah, no worries. Have a- Seven, oh, sorry, Stefan. Yeah, have a good night. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Before we get to Clint on the line, back to Toronto. Here's the Oilers captain, Connor McDavid. Yeah, I, th- I thought for sure we were the better team. Um, and we definitely deserved a little bit better tonight. Credit to them, they held on and played good defense, and their goalie was hot. So, um, you know, yeah. You, you beat Montreal six two. You should have won this one in, you know. Which, is, which says you're trending up and heading in the right direction in the grand scheme of things, it, it hurts. Do you sort of cling to the fact that you played two really solid games in a row? Yeah, you don't get anything for being close. So, um, you know, ultimately it's disappointing. Um, you know, we definitely should have at least scored one goal, uh, maybe a handful. So, um, you know, but like I said, again, credit to them. They played solid defense. They held on to that lead. 
Um, they were able to generate a few chances, but we defended well as well, uh, too. So, um, you know, for a one nothing hockey game, I thought that was pretty entertaining. Is this as well as you've played without scoring a point tonight? Um, yeah, I mean, hockey's a funny game. Hockey's a weird game. Uh, some nights you don't do anything and you get one or two, and some nights you, you have your legs and you get nothing. So um, it's the way hockey is, and um, I was happy with my game. I thought uh, I was able to generate some chances. How hard, how hard is it not to get down after the two full minutes of five-on-three don't go your way? I mean, it's tough to say it doesn't go your way. We had a bunch of looks. We had the looks that we wanted and, you know, stick breaks off the post. Um, no, and then a good save. Um, you know, those are the looks that you want, and it's just unlucky. Um, you know, they did a good job killing it. Um, and, but we still had the looks that we wanted, and um, you know, five on three, you have to score. So you're right. I mean, it, it was a job well done by them, but you know, we can't be uh, too upset about the way we, we moved it. Are you back to feeling when you play as well as you play, knowing that you had your legs tonight, and you created all kinds of stuff for yourself and for other people that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you want that game to go on five, ten minutes longer. Um, you know, we, we, but you know, their goalie was good, and you know, we just didn't have the luck tonight. Um, it's the way it goes sometimes. Another topic, just. The- 41 shots, no goals for Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers, losing one nothing to Toronto. Clinton Abe are up next on the phone lines. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Well, really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Toronto Maple Leafs edging the Edmonton Oilers one zip. I can't remember the last time I saw a game where the game-winning goal was in the first minute, but that's what happened tonight. Rob and I just flipped over to the Sunday night football game with the curling done. Pittsburgh leading Baltimore 2017, halfway through the third quarter. It's minus one in Pittsburgh, Celsius? That's Celsius, yes. It's a little the, chilly. Then why did Ben Roethlisberger look like it's minus 25? Because they're babies Was he ever there. wrapped up? They're all babies Like he's down got there. a two minus huge one. parka. I saw people running today in shorts here. I mean, minus one. Well, at least one. it was plus today, but geez, yeah. I mean, I, I, I lived in you? I lived in Pittsburgh, and they got snow one day, and it's about 250 meters from the parking lot you exit out of the arena, the old Civic Arena, to the stoplight. It took me an hour and 45 minutes once to go Why? 200 feet because it snowed. They're not used to it. So they were driving that slowly. Yeah. Well, they weren't even driving; they were just parked. Jeez. They were looking scary. at the pretty white things come down. Uh, I just I said this earlier. Uh, people may have seen it by now, but if you've been out all day or you're getting home to watch highlights or online, check out the Buffalo Indianapolis game in the NFL. It was, I mean, it snowed during the Grey Cup. This was Nothing, there was yes. more. There was more snow, and Indianapolis tied it late in the fourth. They were down seven nothing. They went for two points and actually made it, but they got a penalty on the play, so that Adam Vinatieri had to kick a forty three yard extra point instead of a 33-yard extra point, and he aimed about 10, 12 feet wide 
and let the wind blow it, but he gauged it. It just snuck in. Well, and he and then, he missed a, yeah he missed a bunch of field goals too. He said it was like kicking a, a lead ball. The ball was not it was unreal. <laughs> it was unreal, but it was it was about a foot of snow. Yeah, like when the guys were when the guys were running in the snow. Like these are the some of the best athletes in the world. I mean, they, it looked so funny because their foot would disappear. It'd come out. It would disappear. It would come out. Uh, it was not a high scoring football game. Buffalo won thirteen seven in overtime. Hockey tonight, we mentioned the Oilers losing 1-0. Chicago beats Arizona 3-1. Blues beat the Sabres 3-2 in overtime. Wild lead the Sharks 3-0. Six minutes left in the second period. Clint's on the open line. Clint, you're on with Robin Reed. Hey, how's it going? Doing pretty well. Um, I just wanted to say one thing uh, towards the fans. Uh, I'm a little disappointed, actually. Uh, I keep hearing uh, how they keep cutting us down and all that, and I think they really actually need to just pick it up and start cheering a little more. Uh, we lost. Yeah, we lost. They fought hard, but uh, we lost. That's the end of the deal. You can't blame anybody for the loss tonight. Uh, Brisbois was awesome, in my opinion. Yeah, he let a goal in, but uh, so what? You know, the Oilers played well. The Oilers, it was a good game. Yeah. They played well. They deserved better. Uh, the, the fans can be upset with the way the Oilers' season started and some of the efforts they gave early in the year. Uh, but tonight was a good effort that they deserved much, much better. They deserved two points after tonight's game. Well, they did. But uh, unfortunately, they ran into a goaltender that was a wall. Uh, you, you, that happens. Yeah, McElhenney uh, was incredible tonight, Clint. Thanks a lot for calling. We appreciate it. 780-496-0063. 41 saves for Curtis McElhenney. You know, Brandon Davidson plays his second straight game for the Oilers. Rob, in our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors, if it hurts, see a chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com, is he's moved in and kind of pushed Eric Griba out of the lineup for now. Do you see it that way? against Columbus again. I do, and I, I believe that when the next defenseman comes back, he's going to push Oviedo out as well. I think Davidson uh, he brings more speed and more ability to make plays than Agriba. I think that he brings more toughness than an Ovita. Avidu. So I think if if the Oilers were to get a defenseman back, Davidson stays and in the lineup. should be back. Hopefully soon. Fairly soon, we think. Yeah, so I think that Davidson has done well. I mean, he, he understands the systems. He knows what the coaches expect from him, and the coaches know what they get from Davidson. He's a number six defenseman, uh, maybe a number seven on a, on a good team. But with Secker out and with Larson out, he easily is in the lineup against Columbus. And if Larson were to come back miraculously, I keep him in the, in the lineup again because I, I like what he's done in the two games that he's played. All right, we have Abe on line two. Hi, Abe. Hey, how you doing, guys? Doing well. Awesome. I just got three quick points I wanted to say. Uh, first one is why don't they try play RB on the power play, especially on that five-on-three instead of the test two. Second, how much shots did Clefbaum miss, man? Like, Clefbaum like- had, I can tell you exactly what his stats were. He had seven shots on goal. He had two others blocked, and he had six that were wide. So he missed wow. eight shots. That's crazy, man. And then the third thing I wanted to say before you guys cut me off is uh, free Palestine, Zionism, and terrorism. Zionism is terrorism. Okay, thanks, Abe. In terms of Puliyarvi on the power play, uh, it's we, think happen. It's com- we think we, it's coming. You and I have talked about it. Puliyarvi is the, the heir apparent for that spot. We understand his strengths. Uh, it, it will be there. I just I don't know when. I said by the middle of January he'll be there, and that's just a, me throwing a dart at a dartboard. But, yes, I, I agree. He, he's got 
He's got a great shot. He understands the game. Uh, I, I'm thinking maybe they don't want to put too much on his plate right now. Is he just trying to find his way on the first line? Mm-hmm. But he will be there eventually, yes. Oilers lose one nothing in Toronto. Oh, obviously, we can't get to the Japanese Village goal light tonight, but we did have it on last night because the Oilers scored six, and we activate it whenever they get five or more in a game. You can go to the Oilers page on 630ched.com, print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village, three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. Before we get to more of your calls, back to Toronto. Here's Oilers defenseman Matt Benning. It's one of those things where they get the game-winning goal 34 seconds in, but you guys carried the pace of play for pretty much the rest of the game. Is that the way you guys saw it? Up? Yeah, I thought that uh, we did a good job on, um, on our power play chances. We got uh, maybe hit a few posts, uh, got some good looks, and their goalie played well. Um, we couldn't get past him, and um, I thought that our forwards did a great job in, in cycling pucks down low. And um, D, I think that uh, we did a good job kind of getting open for them and creating space and getting some pucks down towards net, but they defend well. You mentioned it already, but just another thought on the power play. You can't be really frustrated with it, even though it went 0 for 4. You guys got some movement, hit a couple posts. I mean, is that good news for you guys moving forward? Yeah, I think so. I think we're zipping it around, and um, I mean, in the end, those guys are on the power play to uh, take those shots, and um, I mean, we hit a bunch of posts, and the goalie made some really good saves, and uh, sometimes it goes that way. Connor McDavid tonight, just a thought on him. He was flying around everywhere. It seemed like he's finally back from the flu bug that he had. Yeah, I mean, he, he uh, carried our team. He, he led our team today. And, uh, I mean, he, his speed is is untouchable. And uh, he did a good job in, in creating uh, room for himself and then room for other guys, too. Thanks, Matthew. There's Matthew Benning. One of only three Oilers who didn't get a shot tonight, Davidson and Kajula. The others, 41 shots in all for the Oilers, but they lose one nothing to Toronto. Kajula on the fourth line, positive overall? Um, Yeah, I honestly, I, he didn't really notice him a whole lot, good or bad. Okay. Um, I, I he, He's a better option than Walker. Sure. Um, the fourth line is probably better with Kara than Kajula, but I, I mean, Kajula was okay. I, I don't think there's uh, you're going to have any negatives in the way he played today. I don't think there's any mistakes. Anything they, they, they stepped out. They, yeah. they had a good first period, I thought. Yeah, no, I mean they. Had, I mean all the others. I mean they they played it in the offensive zone most of the night. I'm just trying to look down to see how much ice time. Kajula got played eleven. Eleven forty. Yeah, eleven forty-five. So uh, he was fine. He had three hits. Uh, I mean they're not. The fourth line normally is not going to create a whole lot of chances. They want you want to gain some momentum, and I know that Craig Simpson at one point talked about the fact that the fourth line got out there and changed the the momentum in the hockey game, and that's what you want from them. So yeah, he was all right. Barring bumps and bruises, I would think they'd go with the same twelve forwards. Well, no, reason, no reason not to. No, especially with uh, the way they played. So yeah, you're going to go into Columbus. I would I would assume with the exact same lineup, with the exact same defense, with the exact same goaltender. Justin on line three. Hi, Justin. Hey guys, quick question for you. What are your thoughts on uh, getting a right winger like a like a Darren Helm or an Abdulkader or something like that? Uh, honestly, I I don't know. It's the problem that the Oilers have is you aren't going to give up assets for somebody that's going to be here short term, especially if you're on the outside looking in. Now. The Oilers believe they still have a chance to make the playoffs. I believe they still have a chance to make the playoffs. But the the odds have them at 3%. Yeah. So do you want to give up assets for someone that's going to be a, a rental? Jeez, well, I was seeing it as, uh, 
Yeah, giving up the assets for a couple of years there until uh, like pool party is ready to go on that top pairing there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. When you say players like that, then you have to look at their contracts and to see what they are. I know that Reed's yeah, looking up right now. Applicator is a good player. He's signed through the 2022-23 season. He does have a modified no-trade clause, so he'd have to approve being traded to the Oilers. So and you'd have to give up something. Really you'd have to give up something pretty he's, good to he's, get him. He's a, I don't know if Detroit's going to part with him. Uh, he's a good hockey player that they've signed long term because they've got faith in him as a hockey player. So yeah, he's he's a good winger. That's why I was wondering. All right, thanks, guys. Okay, appreciate it. That's Justin and Darren Helm. He's signed for three years after this one with a cap hit of three point eight five. He is thirty. Now Detroit might want to move that contract and they want to move it because they don't like it because I don't think Helm's having a very good season this year is he actually has a full no trade until 2018-19 yeah I mean does Helm help you what's Helm's stats this year I don't think he's having a very strong year and I don't think he had a very good year last year either and again it's got to fit into the salary structure of the Edmonton Oilers he's fast yeah he's fast Uh, he has 10 points in 28 games he had 17 points in 50 last year so 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 he'd be a depth guy at best at 3.5 million for 3 more years that's a lot of money to pay a guy that's going to be on your 3rd or 4th line Joe's next on the open line we're also going to get to Milan Lucic Oilers lose 1-0 to the Leafs Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Osmond Auctions broadcast center Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, this is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat. Hope you've had a great weekend. It's 847. We're breaking down an Oilers 1-0 loss to Toronto. Short story is, so it's actually pretty easy to break down. <laughs> Kurt McElhenney was great, and the Oilers couldn't cash in on their chances. 41 shots. No goals. Leafs got one goal on 23 shots. Matter of fact, on their very first shot of the game. And the Oilers could never tie it. They're in Columbus on Tuesday. We have Joe on line one. Hi, Joe. Hey, Rob. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Listen, I've got a crazy idea for the power play five on three. Okay. How about if the Oilers leave their two defensemen back beside the goalie and play at three, at three guys forward and, and go that way? So it's like overtime? Yeah. <laughs> How's that for a night? That would be revolutionary, Joe. Huh? Can we make it work, boys? Well, um, I mean, it didn't work tonight the way they did it. I, I just think, honestly, on their five-on-three, they got to get Clefbaum involved with, with a bomb early in the five-on-three because most teams are going one up, two back. So one guy high in the slot and two guys down closer to the net, not allowing the cross through the, the, the crease, the cross for the back door one-timer. They're giving you the shot. So if they're giving you the shot, take it. Clefbaum's got a heavy shot. Dreisaitl sets him up for a one-timer. Puck, they don't score. The puck comes back. Let him let, set it up again. I tell you, they're gonna, you're going to pull the guys out. And once you pull the defenders out, that opens up the down-low plays. But the first 45 seconds, the Oilers did not do that. And they finally did take a shot from out high. Drysaddle hits the post, and they get a rebound chance on it. So they, they've got to get create more things from the top, and that means using the bomb the Clef Bomb has. All right, we'll bring Don onto the show. Hi, Don. Hi, how are you? What I wanted to talk about is basically that uh, the owners need to do something to shake this team up because they're just not consistent and whatever. 
And I'm really thinking that their power play and their specialty, their penalty kill, is is below what they should, should be. Yep, you're absolutely yeah, way right. Below, yeah. Way and not just a little bit below. They're way below where they should be. Yep, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. So to me, one of the ways you can shake this team up is maybe we got to get rid of the special teams coach and bring in somebody else and try something different. Because I agree, I agree with everything that Brown's saying. We got to do something different. We got to do something like this. But they seem to be doing the same thing. I can tell you what they're going to do. I can telegraph it. That I never played any high level. <laughs> yeah, you're you're right. I mean, the teams know what they're doing, especially on the the, the well talk about the power play. The teams know what the Oilers' bread and butter is, and they're taking that away. I watched tonight Toronto, and Babcock's a very good coach. He has his four when it was a five on four. He brings his four defenders low, and he's like, "All right, we're going to let you shoot from the point because a you don't like doing it." And it, when you when you do do it, you don't always have a guy standing in front of our goalie, so he's going to see things. So they just collapse the box. The Oilers got to take if, if a team does that, then you take shots from up high. You can't always force things that aren't there. And their power play has been too predictable. Their penalty killing, they keep getting caught with the cross ice pass, the one going from side to side. That I don't care what goalie is in net. If a puck's going from one side to another and the guy has a one timer, he's going to beat you 90% of the time. And there's just been too many of those. So I honestly don't know exactly who does the power play in PP. I think it's... Well, Woodcroft's more power play. Johnson's more penalty kill, though they all work on it together. And, and as, as much as it's on the players, you're right. It is on the coaching staff. It is not near good enough. And the reason... The NHL is, is one this way. Specialty teams and goaltending. If you are good in all of those, power play, penalty killing, goaltending, you will have a good hockey club. If you struggle in those, you'll be out of the playoffs, and that's where the Oilers are right now. Now, having said that, I mean, they did have power play chances tonight. No, they you're were, right. They were shooting. They were, be they they, were better they, tonight. They, but this, they have been guilty of trying to pass it into the net. Like this McCullough was better. Says, yes. But also, this is a team that it, it, it shouldn't be a bottom feeder when it comes to the power play. They were very good last year, fifth in the National Hockey League. Yeah. With McDavid and Drysaddle, the power play should be better. They were not good yes, earlier in the season. Yes, it should be better. Yes. They did have 11 shots with the yeah. man advantage tonight, which, is, which isn't bad. No, which isn't bad, but we saw, we've seen in the past where the Oilers have had power plays late in games that got one shot. So they are, they are improving in that area, but you're, you're right. This is on not only the players, it's on the coaching staff. Absolutely. 8.51. Let's go back to Toronto. Here's Milan Lucic. Frustrated and, and, and stick with it and, and trust the process and um, you know, it's you, you know you deserve better from an effort like that, but if you continue bringing in an effort like that, eventually you'll You'll start getting uh, more of the results that you want. This is your second year here. Is there still are there still nights where you see some of the things that '97 does and shake your head? Uh, yeah, just just on a you know day-to-day -day basis, uh, getting a chance to be on the ice with him, uh, just his speed and his skill and his his ability to create opportunities and, and use his line mates and kind of take over the game is just. Uh, uh, you know, something uh, that's, that's that's really impressive. And uh, he did all that tonight except put the puck in the net. And, uh, you know, that's it's one of those, like I said, it's just one of those ones where you deserve uh, deserve uh, better, a better result than you got. How hard is it not to get down after two full minutes of five on three doesn't go your way? I mean, you know, we, we, we talked about it in the intermission is using it as a source of momentum. I think we did that. You saw it in our play in the third period. Uh, again, you know, post and out, post off his head and out. Uh, you know, it's just like I said, everything was hitting him tonight. So, uh, 
it was our first 5R3 of the year and, and we weren't able to capitalize. And But, you know, we did a lot of good things on the power play. Five on three and even five on four just didn't get the, the puck to go in the net. All right, that's Milan Lucic. Frustrated, obviously, after the Oilers get 41 shots but lose tonight, one nothing to the Toronto Maple Leafs. So the Oilers record 12-16-2 on the season. Uh, I mean, they had a chance to win six of nine tonight. Instead, it's five of their last nine, which is okay, but not the surge that they need. So they go into Columbus on Tuesday. Columbus, uh, I mean, Columbus was fourth overall last season, and because of the playoff format, had to play the second overall team mm-hmm. in the first round and were eliminated. They had, well, they had that 17-game winning streak in which they beat the Oilers twice. Uh, they're a good team. John Tortorella has been pushing all the right buttons there. What do the Oilers need to do? Well, a they got to bring the exact same effort that they brought tonight. Uh, B they got to get the the quality goaltending that they've got the last couple of nights. And C they need some bounces. Uh, they got no bounces tonight. Columbus is good. This this road trip, as I was talking with Bob, they went they got harder each night. Montreal is an okay team. Toronto is a good team. Columbus is an excellent team. And you, the Oilers cannot make mistakes in a game against Columbus. Tortorella is a good coach. They, uh, they've got strength up front. They're pretty good defensively, and they've got an excellent goaltender. So the Oilers need to do a lot of what they did tonight, good goaltending, and they need some bounces. At the end of the night, the team that gets the most bounces is usually the team that wins a hockey game. All right, you can get more on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Zach Hyman, the only goal of the game. Curtis McElhinney, a 41-save shutout. Laurent Brassois makes 22 stops for your Edmonton Oilers. That game in Columbus will be on Tuesday, 3.30 in the afternoon for the face-off show. The game will start at 5. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. want to thank Patrick Bauer. He's been our studio producer this evening. The Oilers now 12-16-2 on the season. They outshot the Leafs 39-14 over the final 46 minutes of this game. Could not break through. On behalf of Rob Brown, my name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Have a great rest of your night.